Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I was telling our video audience this a moment ago before the show started that I'm like a lot of you when it comes to the Super Bowl, that, you know, my brand of college football that I love more than anything else is college football. That's that's my f- football thing. Not that I don't like the NFL, and obviously everybody watches the Super Bowl, but I'm probably not as obsessed with the Super Bowl, obsessed with, like, whatever's happening in the NFL as some other folks are. It's clearly the most popular sporting league in North America, if not the world, certainly in, in North America. And for some people, the 60 minutes of football last night, there's nothing in the world more important to them than that. You know, for me, what happened in Indianapolis back at the beginning of January was my version of that. And, you know, everything in the NFL is just kind of more for fun. It's kind of more of a pastime. It's more kind of a casual thing for me for the most part. That means last night had kind of the traditional Super Bowl party, a bunch of folks over. When you have a lot of folks at the house, everybody's eating and talking and, you know, whatever else. I think that especially for someone like me that's a little prone to ADD as it is, I probably only got about 60 or 70 percent of what was going on in any moment i wasn't working i'm not taking notes i'm just hanging out with friends and family and uh, my kids and my wife and we're just kind of watching the super bowl and you know using it as a kind of a form of entertainment so it was kind of funny when the game was over with and you know kind of transitioning from all right that was fun now let's get ready for work the next day and you start kind of scrolling through twitter and things like that and you're seeing messages to me of kind of what folks were kind of paying attention to and what kind of stuck out as a way of what kind of had Georgia fans kind of talking uh, a little bit. And it's kind of funny that a lot of Georgia fans seem to use the events of last night as a as a little bit of a troll of sorts at some some opposing fans for a number of things, including one thing that in the moment last night, I just don't I just missed this somehow. I guess I was just paying attention doing something else. But let me show you this message I got from a Georgia fan related to kind of maybe how the Florida Gators might have experienced this last night. I thought this was kind of fun. Let me show you this uh, UGA fan reaching out to me about asking, did I notice this? Can we show this on the screen here? Uh, we'll get this uh, up and coming, but it's related to uh, Vernon Hargraves and the uh, celebration penalty. That is not it. Uh, there we go. Uh, Jeremy Barbie saying, uh, leave it to a Gator that isn't even playing to get a 15-yard penalty. Uh, Jeremy uh, uh, Barbie brings that up from uh, last night. And the former Gator here is it's Vernon Hargraves, cornerback. And so there's an interception from the Bengals. Hargraves, an inactive player. If you're seeing this on your screen here watching on video, you see the Bengals out there celebrating. Hargraves essentially in street clothes out there kind of celebrating and doing some of the same kind of stuff here. Bringing to mind like Marco Wilson's silly penalty for uh, throwing a shoe and some of the other silly things that Florida fans have kind of done over the years. Hargraves last night in the Super Bowl kind of get caught up in sort of the same thing a little bit. This is short, but Al Michaels calling the game last night for NBC had kind of a a very succinct way of summing up the embarrassment for Hargraves hurting his team last night with an unsportsmanlike penalty. Let me let you hear Al Michaels last night on this too. Inactive. He may be inactive for a while after this scene. So for... Think for a lot of Georgia fans, uh, they certainly enjoy the idea of Hargraves kind of getting caught up in the mix last, last night on that. And as I said before, it kind of reminds you of some of the things that Florida fans have done in the past of how you're going to throw a shoe. <laughs> Remember all the viral videos that first occurred after the uh, the the Marco Wilson thing that led to us obviously establishing the golden shoe around here. But how are you going to throw a shoe? You know how are you going to do that? Or how are you going to get a 15 yard penalty in the Super Bowl in a game that that you're not even active in? Like literally. They're just giving you the gift of letting you stand on the sidelines in the hopes that you won't do anything to embarrass yourself, embarrass the organization. You end up getting the 15-yard penalty there for that. That just sort of felt like a very Florida thing to do in that regard. So I I thought that was pretty funny. That was not the only thing that a lot of Georgia fans noticed. The other thing that some Georgia fans also kind of noticed there as well is obviously one of the big stories last night was the fact that the Rams win the Super Bowl, overcoming an injured Odell Beckham Jr. along the way to doing that. Uh, So let me see if we can uh, get that for you there as well um as uh as one georgia fan pointed out listen uh how in the world do we have that can we show that uh maybe not uh that doesn't matter uh so uh what a georgia fan had kind of reached out to me to say was 
you know, for a lot of these uh, uh, Alabama fans, they were confused at the idea that somebody could win a Super Bowl or win a championship after an injury. There we go. Andrew Butts wrote in to say this, that uh, Rams were down two of their best pass catchers and still won a title, Andrew says. Don't tell Alabama fans that, which I think is obviously really funny because when Odell Beckham Jr. goes down last night, that uh, that was a reminder of some uh, Georgia fans of the way that Alabama had behaved after John Mechie's injury and obviously you know the Jamison Williams injury during the national championship game of all of a sudden that became this excuse that seemed to trump everything else and for a lot of Alabama fans they didn't want to listen to anything after that of hey we had a receiver hurt therefore there was no chance we're able to win that game and as Andrew pointed out, no, listen, uh, the Rams showed you last night that you can actually still win a game after a receiver gets injured. So one of the things I think it's kind of nice to see is even in the midst of a pro football game and a Super Bowl and everything else that goes along with that, the notion that uh, for a lot of Georgia fans, it still comes down to kind of talking a little trash and uh, and going back and forth with some of their rival fans. And I enjoy being able to see that. I guess the one like serious takeaway I would have from the game, we're going to do more on the Matthew Stafford stuff a little bit later on. But I guess the one like serious thing you know, I would take away from the game last night is To me, it's another reminder of something we've been talking about now for a while, which is, hey, last night defense mattered. You know, Aaron Donald, if I had an MVP vote, that's probably the guy that I give that to there in that spot. Obviously, last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks, for all the attention that gets paid to Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, it's really the performance of the Tampa Bay Bucks defense allowed them to win a Super Bowl a year ago. And if you go back and look at Super Bowls over the course of the last five years, last 10 years, it's one of the things that you see showing up a, a lot. You know, the Donald pass rush. We go into the game thinking, hey, that was one of the vulnerabilities that Cincinnati did not have big time offensive line. LA did have the big defensive front. Much Once again, you want to make the comparison to Georgia, much the same way that UGA used the blueprint of having a terrific defensive line to push its way towards a national championship. Didn't in so many ways. The Los Angeles Rams kind of do the same thing. For as happy as you are today about Matthew Stafford and believe me we will get there before today's show is uh done isn't that also part of the story there as well that for the folks who've told you Nick Saban's one of these guys but for the folks who've told you ah oh, defense doesn't matter anymore it's all about throwing the football you got to have a bunch of uh you know uh exciting wide receivers you got to have the big time quarterback and the game begins and ends with that and there's nothing else that matters at all well, if you watch the game on Sundays, whether it be Super Bowl Sunday or the regular season Sundays, you see over and over again examples of that's just an oversimplification of what football is really about. And the college level, I think that was really true in 2021 there as well. So congratulations to the L.A. Rams in so many different ways, showing us what kind of matters in football right now over the course of the 60 Minutes of Football last night. Big day for Matthew Stafford. We'll celebrate with him more in a moment. But for a lot of Georgia fans, also a uh, chance to kind of mock some of their rival fans for various things there as well it was fun seeing georgia fans having a good time on super bowl sunday last night my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented by Pelo window and door of georgia hello to you and thanks for being with us no matter how you get to us today live on video string at 9 45 first in 15 uh good to have you for all of that dognation.com the dog nation app also 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch we're on the radio at noon on athens sports radio 960 the ref there as well available as a podcast wherever you find them all across the various podcast platforms apple spotify everything else including posting the show at the world famous dog nation.com hello to you and thank you for being with us today on all of that of course we appreciate our friends at pella window and door of georgia making it all possible you know energy efficient windows and doors that's really important for a number of reasons first of all right now we're in a very hot real estate market a lot of folks want to put their property out there and obviously what you can do to improve the curb appeal make your home look good on the outside is a great way to get the most for your home when you look to resell it and that's where better windows and doors come in looking better on the outside can certainly improve that resale opportunity that you have but also while you're living in your home feeling good on the inside especially it's 30 something degrees this morning when i was leaving getting ready to come to work it's been cold at night a lot we still got some winter left to come heating bills seem like they've never been more expensive than they are right now so for all you're paying for all that energy you're using in your home the one thing you want to do is to keep it where it's supposed to be which is inside the house that's what better windows and doors can obviously do for you there as well and that's what pella is known for by atlanta homeowners they've been known for a long time it's really the standard for the best you can get when it comes to doors and windows and everything else uh, preferred window brand by homeowners all across 
across the city of Atlanta, according to some recent survey information that's come up. And they've also got a great saving opportunity for you as well. Between now and April 21st, you can get 50% off qualifying installations. That's 50% off qualifying installations when you reach out either online at PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Make sure you uh, check them out. And when you reach out to Pella Window and Door of Georgia, tell them BA from Dog Nation Daily sent you to them because I know they're going to take a good care of you. So check them out online, PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation, or give them a call, 678-638-1496. All right, let me move off the Super Bowl for a minute and focus instead on what's happening around UGA. And there, boy, have been a couple of interesting things here over the course of the uh, last couple of days as we get ready to go around the doghouse in relationship to Georgia's pursuit of a defensive backs coach. One of the things we told you about last week was that Georgia had been reported to have interest in Auburn defense backs coach Zach Etheridge. And one of the thoughts there was, well, maybe with Brian Harson potentially being on the outs, and for a long time, Har- Harson's uh, status had been a total unknown. Harson is now coming back to Auburn. We'll talk more about that before our show is done. But with Harson's status being unknown, it was a chance for Georgia to swoop in and maybe poach a guy like Etheridge, who has a really good uh, reputation in the you know, coaching industry and obviously would be a pretty big hire if Georgia was able to make that. Maybe we are left to believe that the – I guess reaffirmation of Harson as the Auburn head coach may have been enough to convince Etheridge that he wanted to stay one way or another. It only appears that he is staying. Let me show you this on Twitter from Etheridge saying no time for division United we stand all in and basically saying that uh, he gave Auburn a win by choosing to come back here for the 2022 season. So you know, he uses, I guess, this as a way of repledging his allegiance there to Auburn and excited about that. And obviously maybe trying to build off the back of rumored interest in UGA. Obviously, none of that's confirmed on the part uh, of Georgia. All we had was the report that Etheridge was one of the candidates there for that. But nonetheless, still a chance for him to flex on the, uh, I guess, the decision now to stay at Auburn. And then after that, there was the chatter related to Mike Reed, Clemson's defensive backs coach, who is a very well-respected member of the coaching community. Big salary there at Clemson, a part of a lot of huge defensive back recruiting wins over the course of the last few years. A bunch of chatter over the course of the last 24, 48 hours, if you will, about maybe the fact that Georgia had conversations and interviews and that maybe Georgia had a chance to kind of move in and hire Mike Reed. There has now been some reporting, though, that would seem to refute those initial rumors, reports, whatever you want to call them, about a potential connection between Reed and UGA. Larry Williams has covered Clemson for a long time. He puts out on Twitter on Saturday that contrary to reports that Clemson cornerback coach Mike Reed is in the thick of negotiations with Georgia about taking the same position with the Bulldogs, we don't believe that Reed's a candidate, and they write more about that there on their website. One of the things to note about Reed is he already makes more than seven hundred thousand dollars, whereas you know Georgia is currently paying its co-defensive coordinators about eight hundred grand a piece, I believe, for next year. So Reed's kind of already making pretty close to dc type money as the cornerbacks coach there at clemson and you know in some respects we'll kind of never really know how real any of this was but there had been some chatter out there that georgia might be you know working to to try to establish a connection with reed and at least now some pushback on that and we'll kind of have to wait and see here's the one thing though that i would kind of i guess caution uga fans on a little bit which is that all of these kinds of stories can kind of create a little bit of anxiety from time to time in that, hey, you know, if you are rumored to have been going after Etheridge, then Etheridge says he's staying at Auburn. Or if you had been rumored to see Georgia going after Reed and reporter pretty close to Clemson program says, no, that's not happening. Let's just take both these situations at face value for a moment. Let's say that Georgia really did go after Etheridge and Etheridge decided to stay. Let's say that Georgia really did go after Reed and this report for the sake of conversation, let's say that's true and Reed's really not going anywhere. I don't think that's the kind of thing that Georgia fans should be too worried about. First of all, when you have a coaching opening, I think for any program, you owe it to yourself to get the best possible candidates you can get. That means a guy like Etheridge who knows the SEC a bit or a guy like Reed who has been in on some of the same kinds of defensive backs that Georgia wants to get. You absolutely owe it to yourself to kind of find out if they're if they're interested, if they're out there, if that's something they, they might want to do. You owe it to yourself to make that push for the very best possible guy you can get. And that guy decides he wants to stay at you know his own school. I don't think that's the kind of thing that in any way 
tarnishes anything about Georgia or anything like that. Now, also, we are always kind of left to wonder, well, how much of this is a coach putting this out there to kind of make himself seem bigger? How much of this is uh, you know, a media person putting this out there to make themselves seem bigger? It's not always easy to kind of know what the facts are. It's not always easy to kind of know what the, the truth is. But it is one of those things of – even if the way it's been reported is kind of kind of the truth that Georgia went after the guy didn't get him ultimately that's not that big of a deal you know being spurned in this particular situation not the kind of thing that I think a Georgia fan ought to have all that much anxiety about however I will say this when it comes to this particular position the cornerback spot the defensive back spot the guy to replace what Jamal Adai was doing for this team a year ago before going to Miami the one thing that Kirby Smart has told us and this goes back to December is that position whoever's working with defensive backs whether it be one guy like Will Muschamp or a tandem of guys Muschamp plus somebody else whatever else whatever's happening for George with those defensive backs is going to be one of the most crucial position groups for development for Georgia this upcoming year both in terms of getting a number of guys ready to play and taking a couple of guys who've shown some promise and getting them that next level of development so they can be you know true you know, front-end program-leading type players, that what's happening right now, the defensive secondary for for Georgia, Kirby Smart has told us is as much important as maybe anything else. This is Kirby going back to December on all of that. We don't have enough DBs now. I mean, I don't know what you would be referring to. I don't know how many are in there. I get confused between what's in and what's not in. But we don't have enough. We're still lower than we've ever been in terms of defensive backs. So it's... I don't, I'm not real smart about accounting, but first in, first out, how many in, how many out. We have more leaving than we have coming, and that's we were already below. So if you have more leaving than you have coming, then you're actually negative net gain. So we're still behind the defensive back position, and it's a, it's a position that's been really – you know, it's been tough for us this year because we have not been able to play uh, uh, dime packages. We have not been able to do some of the things we want to do, and that's six DBs on the field. And – I am really proud of the DBs in this class that we have, um, but we're not we're not anywhere near where we used to be. I mean, we, I guess I think we all I think we have seven that left since the last uh, year. And then you throw in the seniors, those those kind of core Georgia guys that have been here forever that are now finishing. When you add that seven plus four or five, that's 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 a one year window of thirteen to fourteen guys. So in my mind, you know, we're still kind of short numbers of uh, scholarship players so the bottom line for me on all of this is if georgia had a chance to go after mike reed they should go after him if he decides to say clemson that's his business zach etheridge may be the same way i think the reed resume is probably a little bit more filled out than the etheridge resume is but once again you know if you've got a guy who's in good standing with an sec program you probably should find out if he wants to come but you know, if he decides not to, that's his business there as well. So I don't think there's any harm nor foul about anything that Georgia may have done thus far in its pursuit of a defensive backs coach. Eventually, though, as Kirby Smart tells you in his comments from back in December, the finding a quality guy to work with the program right now and get all of this elite talent, including a whole bunch of real blue chip level 2022 signees, to get everybody ready for what's going to happen on the field, both this spring during practice, this fall once the games are played. Whoever's working the cornerbacks next season, whoever's working that defensive secondary next season is going to face a very, very significant, very stiff challenge. That is Around the Doghouse. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. So we're not done with the Super Bowl in today's program. Uh, we will conclude today by looking at something that Matthew Stafford recently said about what actually came to be true. George winning a national championship here to start the year of 2022. The Rams following up with its own championship pretty soon after that. Matthew Stafford, a Georgia quarterback, hosting, hoisting that Lombardi trophy. Stafford had some good words on that recently, and we'll share some of that with you before we're done. Also, some other very interesting things happening around the rest of the SEC we'll cover for you as well. But for now, on everything else, on everything going on around UGA, including the aftermath of the Super Bowl from a guy who has his own Super Bowl ring. It's the great former Georgia All-American John Stinchcomb, also Super Bowl champion with the New Orleans Saints here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. Good to have him and all of you with us here today as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say good morning to uh, John Stinchcomb. And uh, John, I guess let's begin right there, if you don't mind. How good does it feel as a former dog who is a part of the fraternity of former Super Bowl winners to welcome another crop of uh, dogs in that club last night, including the quarterback, Matthew Stafford. How much fun was that for you to be able to see? 
No, it's so exciting. I think uh, for all dog fans, we saw Stafford out in Detroit and tried to carry a, an organization through some pretty rough, lean years. And for to see one of our own have the opportunity to go out there and uh, finally capitalize on an opportunity that so few uh, get to take advantage of, I think we were grateful to watch Stafford hoist, uh, hoist that Lombardi and uh, finally realize the dream that so few get to. And he's not alone. I mean, seeing Thomas Brown on the, on the sideline and Leonard Floyd making plays, um, you know, it was, it was just great to see some dogs succeed and experience something that I can attest is uh, a really, really special moment and opportunity that so few get to get to experience. And I think for me, one of the things about the Stafford story is it just kind of goes to show you that time has a way of changing our opinions right i mean if you want to go back to when stafford first came to georgia class of 2006 you know it's the same class of tim tebow it's the same class of remember mitch mustaine who was a another highly rated quarterback of that same time and you know when you look at those three quarterbacks i think we all had a sense of well at least one of these guys is not going to pan out because oftentimes that's not the case and that's what mustaine kind of turned out to be but then there's the comparison of hey matthew stafford's good and he may be rich and he may be you know all these other things as a future NFL quarterback but Tim Tebow is special Tim Tebow is a winner Tim Tebow has that it factor and maybe at one point in time Stafford was maybe by some kind of thought not to have that and yet if you wait long enough the game of football has a way of changing your mind about some things all of a sudden now Stafford in the NFL finally with you know a level of talent appropriate to to make conditions for winning a little bit more favorable all of a sudden now he's a Super Bowl champion and frankly Tim Tebow as a football player is now a little bit of an afterthought it's just kind of funny that opinions over the course of many many years or in this case maybe even decades they just have a way of changing what some folks what what maybe they at one point in time assumed was true yeah and, and for Stafford it's validation of his elite skills and you know Tim Tebow in his own right is arguably one of the most uh, impactful college football players to ever play the game. You could argue the case if you're trying to make that ranking of what a player did in their uh, college years. Well, Tebow had, you know, he, he's one of the most impactful guys to play the game. With that said, the ceiling for Stafford has always been much higher. And when you see at the, the highest level of the game, uh, what he's been able to, to accomplish and, Let's be honest, folks. I mean, when he was in Detroit, he took a beating like no other and just didn't have the supporting cast. And I think because of his leadership style, was willing to accept, accept some shots that probably weren't due him that, you know, he, he understood as the quarterback he was going to take and was willing to do so uh, when they probably were undeserved at least from from his end and we saw yeah you know, this year he was he's still that elite quarterback he can he can sling it like uh, very few can and i think it's a, a point of pride for all dogs to see one of our own uh finally get some of the credit that that he's worked so hard for and and has been humble enough uh to take some of those shots over the years but you know you look back at that class i think anybody would be pretty grateful to have Stafford as a representative of their university. The other thing, John, and this has been admittedly a little bit of a soapbox issue for me now going back for quite some time is, is that I think anybody who tried to make the sport of football solely about quarterback play, solely about wide receiver play, I think that over and over again, we have examples just the last 12 months alone of just how wrong that really is that that you know last year the Bucks Super Bowl win in large measure because of the way they defended against uh Patrick Mahomes the guy that we were told there was no defense for and yet the Tampa Bay Bucks had obviously a stellar defense against him a year ago and they have a Super Bowl championship because of that last night uh, really on both sides but certainly the Rams defensive front that we went into the game knowing was going to be a very valuable commodity that turned out to be really true and if you want to go back look five ten years worth of Super Bowls here you know you see a lot of Super Bowl winners who are held under 30 points you see a lot of Super Bowl losers who have you know a much smaller point total than that that on the biggest game that football offers us this Super Bowl you have just seen a lot of evidence over the last you know decade plus the defense does still matter and, and frankly complimentary football being able to be as good as you can all across the board is still 
still really, really important that the people who whittle this down and make it all about quarterback or all about wide receiver, they have simply tried to make the game simpler than it actually is. Do you agree with that? Yes. I mean, the argument that uh, for, for, I, I've seen some assessment of some great, truly special quarterbacks, I mean, Marino included, that they just didn't have the team around them. So what an unfair, unjust assessment of an individual's uh, performance in a team sport. It matters. I mean, who, who comprises a team affects your, your overall success. This shouldn't be groundbreaking information for anyone who knows the game, and it's not. So, it, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, you hadn't won any championships. Well, who's around the guy? Yeah. So when you look at the complete package, uh, which is, you know, a two-part question, I think Georgia has been had been uh, – you look at them and they've received some critique because it hasn't been the, the five-star quarterback guy and there, there's been an emphasis on defense. And there's some validation there uh, that you finally have that national championship under your belt. And you look across the league and the past two NFL teams have been uh, complete teams. They're – complimentary it's not just one-sided football i think that's what great teams really are yes um you have to be able to score points in in any league in the game as it's played today but good defense matters and great defense can matter even more i think georgia is a testament to that uh that defensive front for the rams was a problem all night long last night which coming into the game you knew one of the weaknesses of the Bengals was was that front and how they were going to hold up. So I think, you know, you saw Cincinnati take advantage of some mistakes and um, score some points that way. But it's going to be a problem when you play four quarters and you got Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller and Leonard Floyd and uh, A'shaun Robinson, who was a destructive force against the run. I mean, it's, that, that's a problem. And when you build – a team that way, um, I think you, you lead, lend yourself uh, to having much more success than just let's see how many points we can score and light up the scoreboard. Let me just do one more thing on, on just this general topic before we move on. As I mentioned before, you did win a Super Bowl. And listen, John, while I'm not a former player, I do have an appreciation that football is a very hard sport. And at the NFL level, even if you're making a, you know, a high paycheck, which obviously pro football players do get, there is still a grind there where – you know, if you're doing that on a team that loses, and Matthew Stafford until now has only experienced losing in his career, as rich as he is and as you know cool as it is to be an NFL quarterback, there is still a toll that must take on you. You know, for for your own sake, the fact that your career was validated by a championship, the fact that you didn't have to do it. Like I grew up Falcons of the '80s. There are a lot of very good players that never did anything but play on bad teams for the most part, and you know that's just such a uh, you know, a, a, a sad thing, you know, for a football player to never get a chance to validate himself in terms of, you know, uh, winning team or the ultimate win of winning the Super Bowl. Like, how much do you more do you feel like your career was completed because you did play on a championship team? Hey, well, I, I, you introduced me fairly often, VA, as Super Bowl winner John Stinchcombe. Sure. Right? I mean, that that's part of um, an accolade that I was. I had a small percentage in factoring into, right? I, I, yes, I was a starter. Yes, that was my Pro Bowl season that we ended up winning a, a Super Bowl. So um, that was a piece of that. But it's a, it's a team effort to win a Super Bowl, and people are given validation for uh, an individual's career based on a team result. And that it works both ways. I mean, you look at let's let's stick with Detroit and. You know, Barry Sanders and, and Calvin Johnson were individually some of the best players to play the game, especially in their positions. Um, and so they've still got a lot of credit for individual uh, merit. But there's others that did not. I think, you know, during that during his era, Jeff Backus played left tackle for the Detroit Lions, yep. a local guy. I mean, a, a yep. Norcross product, um, and was arguably one of the best tackles in the game that was overlooked because the team stunk. And you say, well, you know, they're giving up sacks and he plays tackle. Yeah, but they weren't. he wasn't giving up sacks. And uh, it, it's funny how um, the, uh, the number of individual awards goes up 
for teams that, that are successful. And yes, I know that those most likely work hand in hand, the better individual performance you have, the better team performance you have. But I also think it works, um, in any other direction, the, the better the team looks, all of a sudden individuals, uh, appear better than sometimes they are. And you overlook guys that are buried on rosters that, um, don't have near the supporting cast. That, that you find in some of the successful teams. Let me transition to a different topic here for a moment. Georgia is looking for defensive backs coach. There are a couple of examples this weekend of, you know, rumors, reports, where it maybe seems like Georgia may have missed out on a guy, where like Zach Etheridge, the Auburn defensive backs coach, who had been rumored to be in the mix, he seems to have reaffirmed himself to his old job there at Auburn. There's been some reporting that Mike Reed, respected defensive backs coach from Clemson, may be staying there with the Tigers. Difficult to know exactly what's going on there, but there's at least some some chatter about that right now. John, my point on this is simple, and it's your opinion that, that I'm interested in, but let me give you mine as a way of setting yours up, that – if you limit your search to only guys that you know will say yes if you offer the job, then ultimately you don't give yourself to get the best possible candidate for that job. So I'm glad that George is casting a wide net here. I'm glad that George is pushing the boundaries of what we might even think is possible in terms of who it could hire. And if the only cost that you pay for that is having a couple of guys maybe say no or have some reporting coming out that a guy might say no to me that's no harm that's no foul and eventually I remain pretty confident that Georgia's going to hire a pretty effective defensive backs coach because that's for the most part what Georgia does with all of its uh, defensive secondary positions or I should say coaching staff positions all, all across the board what do you think about that for the fact that hey sometimes as a fan you got to be a little patient and let some of the rumors play out let some of the reports kind of play out and sort of figure out who it is that George is going to hire, you know, what do you make when you kind of watch some of these same things unfold? I think there's two things that stand out to me. Uh, the first is you got to take your shot. You got to target some guys that you probably think are lofty. If you're not doing that, then I think you're selling yourself short, especially uh, for a national championship program. You have to uh, take chances on some guys that, that you're unsure of, but you know, could be great assets if they fit into the fold. Uh, and the second thing is there's a lot of rumor and speculation. Just because you make contact with someone does not mean that they were offered the position and they were the yeah. primary target for a search. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of folks that use backdoor conversations to translate into to higher salaries in their own positions and uh, sometimes you oversell. Do I know that to be the case in, in, in this search? Absolutely not. But it, it happens with regularity where you're leveraging, uh, hey, this, this other team is, is showing interest, um, and you can solidify your, your base with recruits and all those other things just because uh, of the creed that and, and credentials that an organization that is pursuing you um, – you can spin that into your favor, and that happens with regularity. Uh, with that said, for Georgia, I mean, it's an important position, but already in, in-house, in you got Coach Smart, pretty sure he knows that position group very well, and Coach Muschamp, both of whom not only played the position but have coached that position group and um, are, are, are hands-on coaches. I mean, even when Muschamp was – behind the scenes and in that quality control role or consulting role, um, two guys who know the position very well. And now you're looking for a, an additional piece um, that you can either uh, groom and, and also look at their abilities and chops to, to recruit and help with that uh, development because it is going to be an important piece. I, you know, I heard you speak on it earlier. That's a position group that, is is undergoing a number of changes because of attrition, uh, both to the NFL and and to ex external college teams, and uh, there's going to be some development needed in that position group specifically. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a moment because this is one thing that some Georgia fans will also say there as well, which is, yeah, it's great you've got a head coach who just loves defensive back play. I don't know that any head coach could ever be better in a hands-on situation. 
than Smart is training up defensive backs. And now you've got a co-defensive coordinator, Will Muschamp, who's really good at that too, that he is not just a great coach in terms of what's happening in the practice field, but a major impact for UGA in, in, in recruiting in terms of bringing in elite defensive backs. So you get the presence of Muschamp, you get the presence of Smart. But to some coaches, the presence of Muschamp, the presence of Smart, they look around and they say, well, how much coaching am I going to really get to do if you've got these two guys here? And they're already so good at all of this. And, hey, I'm upwardly mobile. I want to make a name for myself. I have personal ambitions. And maybe my ambitions are going to be squashed because you've got a couple of guys who are already so good at this. Is there any room for me to even fill in? Yeah, not, you know, to kind of, you know, you know grow and, and fill out in that role in, in that situation. What would you say to the Georgia fans who've at least brought that up as a talking point during all of this? Well, I think there's validity there. I mean, certainly folks don't want to uh, have other cooks in your own kitchen. With that said, most coaches that, that you're seeking for this position have uh, a lot of confidence, let's call it, in their yeah. own skills and, and recognize their own value and see um, that they're, they're coming in. They know what they're going to uh, – what their, their assets are, what they're going to offer to this program and see it as a value add. If you see it as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more self-conscious of, of the situation, I don't see that happening. It's more of a chemistry feel is how can I work with these two other coaches? I know what I bring to the table. How can we complement each other and, and make uh, some synergy happen where one and one equal four? So the end result is much better. I think it's all about, creating that chemistry, making sure that uh, you can work with the, the pieces that are already in place and understanding your own value uh, as you walk into that scenario. If, you, if you're self-conscious and say, oh, I might get overrun, it's probably not the right fit for you anyway. And I'll finish with this. You know, it's also a thing where, you know, look at Jamal Adai, who had a very successful season at West Virginia the year before coming to UGA, but somehow some way must not have been a great fit here at Georgia and while I'm not a expert on the inner workings of the relationship between a die and smart the fact that he's leaving after one year that's a little bit unusual so that would lead you to believe that maybe he's just happier more comfortable working somewhere else which means that when you do go out and hire the more established veteran presence from another program you're bringing a guy in who's been kind of trained up with other influences other than the influences that that you're going to provide as a head coach or in Muschamp's case as a co-defensive coordinator that sometimes going the younger more unknown route for a guy who's looking to be trained up and become a great coach because of what he learns from guys like Muschamp and Smart in some respects maybe that's just a better overall fit because if you look at some of the relatively unknown guys that George has hired in recent years especially on the defensive side of the football a lot of those guys have turned out to be really good and seemingly being trained up on the job at Georgia served them well in some cases bringing in guys who had experience away from Georgia coming into the Georgia program sometimes that has not actually always worked out really well yeah, I think coaching staffs is similar to putting together a roster where chemistry matters. And you want guys that fit what you want to do. You want uh, guys that can work well with those that they're going to have uh, They're going to have to spend a lot of time in those same meeting rooms and, and coming up with schemes and plans. And uh, it, it demands a chunk of your time and commitment. And you want to be able to work with those that uh, complement one another uh, to make a much better finished product. So when you look at players, there are some great players out there that may not fit what you're doing. Uh, it's not a knock on them. It's just it's not a good fit. I think the same holds true for a coaching staff. I think you have to look at personalities, and you're trying to create a balance of new, fresh ideas and uh, proven, tested war veterans and uh what's that right chemistry and, and where do you make sure that the pieces fit um, so that, that the end result is something that's productive and you're going to have some misses along the way. You're going to have some misfits. It doesn't mean they're bad coaches. It doesn't mean that, um, that uh, you can't replace them with yeah. someone else that is more qualified. I think it's all about finding that right chemistry Um to make your team better and and how you want to attack the game john i love talking georgia football with you and i think you and i both have a good time doing it 
you know, and we always kind of like the idea of the show like this being one of those things where, hey, we give folks a break from like some of the serious things that happen in life. Every now and then one of those things kind of creeps into our kind of, you know, uh, orbit here and you almost can't avoid it. I guess this is an example of that. And I almost don't even know how to speak about this because it's just so tragic. It uh, it makes my stomach hurt. I mean, it, it's just so awful. Uh, Corey Phillips, former Georgia quarterback, I, I presume you know him well. I, I've met him before. I think he's a my experience with him, a really nice guy, big dog fan, as you might expect. His wife, also former UGA athlete there as well. They're restoring the AJC going back to Friday. Um, son dies in a, in, in a house fire. And, John, this just – it makes me, as I said before, like sick to my stomach to even bring this up. It's just so, so tragic in so many ways. My only reason for saying it to you now is because I didn't want the entire show to go by without acknowledging this. And also, I guess, just the hope that, you know, you, me, everybody else, that we can pray for this family, that we can – I don't know if there is a need, but, you know, be there for them if, if there is some sort of need. Uh, you know, John, how does this hit you, you know, former teammate here? How, how does this hit you and what what Corey must be dealing with, which is beyond anything any of us can even imagine? Right. It's behind, beyond comprehension, right? I mean, it, truly heartbreaking. Corey and I came in together. So, uh, you know, our, our friendship dates back to when we were you know, 18 and went behind the ears. And um, this kind of travesty is uh, – hard to even comprehend and uh, I'm so grateful for the number of teammates that that have reached out and uh, not just teammates but really the entire dog nation and uh, all those that know personally Corey and Courtney and and the family um, to support them in a a truly horrible horrific time you know as, as a dad it's hard to even imagine. You don't want to. Um, so I, I appreciate those that have expressed uh, their care and concern and the prayers uh, for Corey and Courtney and the entire family. And uh, John England had a post, another former Georgia yeah. quarterback, that in, in, on Facebook and was just speaking that this family is more than just uh, you know that a, a dad who played football and a, and a mom who um, was a gymnast at Georgia, yeah. that they're, they're a part of that community and their sweet family that, that has meant so much to so many others and uh, spoke uh, on, on the subject of who Walker was and uh, that the type person and, and uh, young man that he was becoming. And it's heart touching and heart wrenching at the same time. Um, but they, they, it's a family that can appreciate and uh, loves the fact that they're not alone in this. And that the prayers and concern uh, are going to be much needed during this very, very difficult time. If you speak to him or anybody connected to the family, please tell them how genuinely sorrowful we are. We're just we're so sad. And, and please let them know that sincerely, truly. You know, we are praying for them. And, John, if you do hear about a, an opportunity that, you know, our audience can help me meet a need here or, or in any respect whatsoever, I mean, I think we would, you know, take that very seriously, the the opportunity to do that, because this is just worse than anybody should ever have to experience. And I, mm, if, I, if I could take it away from them, I swear I would just do anything I could to do it, because I think, you know, it just hits so close to home for so many of us. So, John, if you get a chance to pass that message along from our audience, I, I hope that you will do that. And, you know, it's, it's awkward to transition into something so sad, because obviously that's not the typical thing we talk about here. And it's kind of awkward to transition back out of it, because, you know, obviously it just weighs on your mind so heavily. But I appreciate you sharing what you shared. And I just appreciate you being on the show each and every week through good times and bad. And, you know, we just try to provide a, um, you know, a, a distraction from the rest of the world uh, for people. And sometimes that distraction is not quite as easy to to conjure up. Well, this one certainly hit closer to home. Sure. And if there is a way to, to engage and support them, uh, I will certainly pass that along. John, I appreciate your time. And I'll look forward to speaking to you very soon under uh, happier circumstances. Sounds good, B.A. Good Thanks goal. a lot. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, it's always so hard, you know, talking to uh, John there a moment ago 
about the the horrible circumstances around um, the Phillips family and their son. It's always so hard to get back into a normal conversation again after that because the weight of the discussion is just so so heavy. And I guess the only other thing I'll say about this, and then we'll move on and see if we can make this be about football again. And I told our video audience this before the show started is that. When something like this happens, there's a phrase that you hear me use a lot, which is that I'll be sincerely praying for you. I, I try to say that because I just find that so many times, oh, man, I'm going to be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. I, I just find that for me personally, I'm not talking about what anybody else says or does, but for me personally, I kind of find that to be an easy out that when when you hear about news that's so, so heavy on your heart and on your soul, really, it's easy to kind of give it a stiff arm and say, oh, I'll be praying for you on that or praying for about that and then just kind of move on. And to be honest with you, you sort of never really do pray about it, which is, you know, what you do as far as that goes is your own personal business. But for me personally, you know, when I say that, I want to mean it. And I don't know, man, I, um, I you know, praying for that family is the least that we can do here on this. And then beyond that, you know, maybe there'll be, you know, a, a chance to get involved and do something at some point in time. And maybe John will help us with all of that. But you know, reading that story on Friday, kind of thinking about it more over the weekend. Oh man, it just it is just such a such a tough thing. So no easy way to get back into the regular show again. But I know that so many of you feel the same way that I do about uh, that family, and obviously they will be heavy on our minds here in the time to come. I, I do want to transition though and get back into SEC through here, and obviously crews run the SEC, uh, courtesy of Royal Caribbean and. You know, listen, we got a lot of fun things coming up with the Royal Caribbean and can't wait to be a part of all of that uh, in some respects coming up with some of you and on my own uh, personal cruise coming up with the Royal Caribbean there as well. I'm really looking forward to uh, doing that and just enjoying the fun, the sunshine and everything else. So when we're booking a Royal Caribbean cruise around here, obviously we're thinking about the cruise and vacation authority because I think that, you know, the, the cruise is so exciting. There's so many fun things to do, but there's also a lot of options as well. And so being aware of all the options for you and the, the right ship, the right port, the right activities while you're on board, sh uh, shore excursions, all those uh, really fun, cool things. The Cruise and Vacation Authority, you know, folks who are UGA grads, but also really know everything about Royal Caribbean. I think that when you're booking a Royal Caribbean cruise using someone that understands all the things that are happening in the Royal Caribbean, a great choice here. So check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority, tcava.com. That's tcava.com, or give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. So when we were doing the show on Friday, this was pretty close to being done. It was at least a lot of rumors, reports it was going to be done, and now we know that it is done, that Brian Harson is coming back to uh, Auburn for the 2022 season. In fact, was seen... <laughs> with Auburn administration the basketball game there on Saturday by smiling everybody happy and everybody having a good time and obviously we know there was an investigation that went on basically the sense that almost all of us get is is that Auburn was looking for the opportunity to get away from Brian Harson, fire him with cause so we would not have to pay his substantial buyout and after one year every coach head coach is going to have a substantial buyout they were hoping to be able to do that and as it turns out they just could not find just cause to do that so hey brian harson's our guy and i think we said this to our video audience after the show on friday and i'll say to the entire audience right now the failing here is on the auburn administration like brian harson if he's offered the auburn job of course he's going to take it if you offered me the auburn head football job for millions of dollars i'd probably take it too and listen my inability to do that job is somebody else's problem i'm going to take the you know the, the millions of dollars that come my way so for a guy like harson maybe even prior to being hired as auburn coach he knew he wasn't good enough to do the job but he's not he's no fool he's not going to turn that down that opportunity and of course auburn boosters will take whatever power you give them if you give them the power and the opportunity to meddle in the affairs of the auburn program of course they want to do that their own personal ambition would require that of them of course they would do that so i don't blame brian harson he can't help it he's not a better coach i don't blame auburn boosters they can't help it they've simply used the leverage they've been given i blame the auburn administration for this because listen Georgia will not hold a press conference this winter to announce that Kirby Smart is returning for the 2022 season. 
Most SEC programs, most college ball programs don't ever have to do that. You don't hold a press conference to announce that a coach is coming back. You only do that in circumstances in which you have fouled up the the scenario around your head coach so badly that people were left to wonder if he is going to come back. In the case of Auburn, that's exactly what happened. And as has been pointed out, this is not the first time this has gone down with Auburn. They also had to make an announcement back in the early 2000s that Tommy Tuberville, who's now ironically a U.S. senator, by the time Auburn football coach, that he was returning. This is the kind of thing that seems to happen at Auburn more so than it seems to happen at other places. And you know, this is one of the things where the Auburn program just made it too public that it was looking into what of might be going on with um, with Arson. And I think along the way, it's potentially slandered his good name because maybe the only thing he's truly guilty of is just not being a very good football coach. Uh, certainly has seemed to slander people around the Auburn program who have had their privacy totally violated through what seems to be no fault of their own. I blame the Auburn administration for that there, too. This is truly an administrative failing on the part of Auburn here, who apparently did not do enough due diligence on the front end of a coaching hire and now has a regret about it, but are going to have to wait at least another year before they do anything about that regret. So that's a coach who's staying in the SEC. On the other side of the conference, maybe a coach who might be leaving the SEC, this Liam Cohen, who, if you follow the SEC really closely, this is one of those things where, like, if you're kind of a casual fan, and frankly, most of the folks who watch and listen to a show like this aren't all that casual, they're pretty hardcore, but, but to a casual football fan, Liam Cohen may not be a super famous name, but Cohen, former L.A. Ram staffer, I thought was a very good, very successful first-year offensive coordinator with the uh, Kentucky Wildcats, but because of some changes coming to Sean McVay's staff with the Rams, sounds like Cohen may get a chance to go be offensive coordinator now with the Los Angeles Rams, which is a pretty big job. You don't get, you know, there's only 32 NFL offensive coordinators. So this is a pretty big job. And if Cohen gets that opportunity, he's pretty clearly going to leave, much the same way I think a lot of folks think that if Todd Munkin were offered a play calling opportunity in the NFL, he'd also leave Georgia there as well, which speaks to one of the real challenges that a lot of coaches face right now. I'm talking about head coaches in college that you've got to make a good offensive coordinator hire. But if you really knock it out of the park, like if you really find a terrific coordinator, I think almost anybody who knows the X's and O's part of this and watch Cohen you know, closely and carefully this year for Kentucky would say, hey, the Wildcats had a terrific coordinator. One of the reasons why, you know, Kentucky was, you know, one of the upper tier, you know, certainly upper third type teams in the SEC this year, certainly better than better than upper half, maybe upper third type teams in the SEC was because of the presence of Cohen's play calling. But if you're good enough as an offensive coordinator, you're just not sticking around anywhere very long. In the case of Kentucky, it's almost as if maybe they had too good of an offensive coordinator because after one year, they may be on their way to losing him. One more thing here is we're cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, this got a lot of attention over the weekend. So uh, Ed Orgeron, former LSU coach, was on the Dan Patrick show this week. And you know, this is one of those things. It's almost like. You know how like the failed presidential candidate will make a tour of like the the late night shows and things like that, and they're always more relaxed. You know, after they've the campaign is over, they're not quite so stiff, not quite so. You know, and you almost are left to think, oh wow, if that version of this person had run for president, maybe the entire election is different. It's just hard to be kind of natural and comfortable in your own skin when you're on you know, the stage being examined as a possible president. Sometimes football coaches may be kind of the same way. In Orgeron's case, he was already probably pretty relaxed. Now he's even more relaxed than he was before. And so, you know, he's on the uh, Dan Patrick show. And the question from Dan towards Orgeron is, hey, is there a recruit that got away at some point in time over the course of your career that you really regret, that you really are just disappointed that you weren't able to close the deal with this recruit? And Orgeron goes back to his time uh, working at uh, as a staffer at USC for Pete Carroll and trying to get Adrian Peterson, who you'll remember is a running back, who eventually went to Oklahoma. But they tried to get him at USC and talking about all the effort they put into trying to bring in Peterson, including one aspect of the story that really went viral. So this is Orgeron, former LSU coach, talking about his time at USC, recruiting Adrian Peterson on the Dan Patrick Show last week. Take a listen to this. Well, me and Pete Carroll tried to go get him and to go see him. They wouldn't let us in. But Adrian said, Coach, my dad is be able to watch my games where he's at. Well, if I go to Oklahoma, I tried to get the guy transferred to Los Angeles. <laughs> Wait, you Please. tried to get Adrian's dad? <laughs> yeah, I tried. <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, I competed. <laughs> I competed. Couldn't get it done, but I competed. So the important thing to note here is, 
the thing he tried to get Peterson's dad transferred on was he was incarcerated at the time. He tried to get him transferred closer to Los Angeles as a hopes of getting Adrian Peterson to go to USC instead of where he ultimately went, Oklahoma. I'm not quite so sure what to make of that story, but boy, it got a lot of attention. Uh, Peterson's dad incarcerated at the time, Ed Orgeron trying to get him transferred within the penal uh, system there. Then his truth is... <laughs> I'm not quite so sure I want to go to a prison uh, closer to Los Angeles, you know, given some of the things we've heard about some of those prisons and Johnny Cash songs and everything else. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, interesting stuff. They've met origin. I'm not quite sure what to make of that story. But boy, it got a lot of attention over the course of the last couple of days. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also give a shout out to my friends at the Finish Long Drink. Told you I had a lot of folks over last night watching the big game. And when folks come over to my house for a big game like that, the first thing they're asking is, hey, BA, where's the Finish Long Drink? Well, there was plenty of Finish Long Drink uh, flowing there last night. And of course, uh, for so many of you, that's the story of your big parties for games or whatever else you have going on there as well maybe it's just a little valentine's day toast who knows it works pretty good for that there too because it looks like a beer it comes in a can but it's not it's a ready to drink cocktail that means you don't have to be a professional mixologist you don't have to be anything like that you can just be a regular person who pops the top on the can you can drink it straight from the can you can pour it to a glass whatever else and if you've heard me talk about it but you haven't tried it yet Go to thelongdrink.com. You can find out where you can pick some up. It's kind of a cool story. You know, we're enjoying the winter games right now, or at least, uh, you know, they're on. Uh, the summer games, you go back to, like, Helsinki back in the 1950s. That's where the Finnish long drink got started. That's why it's Finnish. It's from Finland. That's that's what it's all about. It's the Finnish long drink from Finland. Uh, that's where it kind of all got started there. And so it's kind of a cool story. If you check out the website, you can see that for yourself. But you can also look at the four different varieties, whether it be the traditional, which comes in a blue can. It's got a gin kick and a grapefruit flavor long drink zero which is no carbs no sugar that's really cool long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink cranberry a nice cranberry flavor i know a lot of the folks in my neighborhood really like the cranberry version of this and maybe you do there as well so if you check out the longdrink.com you can find out where you can pick some up and you can maybe even get yourself if you're watching a video you see that right there one of those eight can variety packs where it's like two different versions of each of the four finished long drink varieties so the longdrink.com you can find more about that right there all right so let me uh kind of transition to this i told you I want to come back to Matthew Stafford again before we were done on the show. Stafford obviously continues what's been kind of a great run for UGA fans. A lot of uh, Georgia fans, also Braves fans. You had the Braves World Series back in October. Georgia wins its national championship there in early January. And the former Georgia quarterback, Matthew Stafford, um, won the Super Bowl last night for the LA Rams. If you want to go back to Super Bowl Media Day, our buddy D, Orlando Ledbetter from the AJC, was on hand to ask Stafford, what would it feel like to help complete the kind of the circle on all this, to win a Super Bowl for the Rams in the same year that Georgia had won a national championship? Our buddy Bass and Dog shared this on Twitter. I thought this was great. Wanted you to hear Matthew Stafford on the connection between his Super Bowl and the Rams and the Georgia national championship from a little earlier this year. This is Matthew Stafford on that. What would it mean to win the Super Bowl the same year that Georgia won the national championship? Um, it would be cool. You know, obviously, uh, went to Georgia, big Georgia fan, uh, so proud of their success. What Kirby's doing there is unbelievable. Um, you know, he's done a great job of really, you know, taking a really, really good program and making it a great one, in my opinion. So he's doing an awesome job. Um, you know, uh, the fact that it would be in the same year, that would be really cool. Taking a really, really good program and making it a great program. I kind of like that phrasing from Stafford there, and it's great to see. And it's been kind of cool for me to see all of the attention that Stafford and his connection to UGA has kind of gotten. To me, I don't feel like we do this all the time, right? Like when Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl for the first time, was there all this talk about like Texas Tech or, you know, some of the, like, I feel like this is a little bit unique in terms of the way in which Stafford is being currently talked about as a former dog in a way that maybe not all Super Bowl quarterbacks have that attention being paid to their alma mater here. You saw, if you're watching a video of the SEC Network tweet a moment ago, let me show you this from Fox Sports there as well, who I thought had a really special graphic on this. The 2022 championship quarterbacks. This is really cool. Very good to see. Top left, Stetson Bennett kissing the national championship. Lombardi trophy down the bottom right with Matthew Stafford kind of looking off the distance. I mean, how great is this? And this is not even like an SEC video, you know, TV partner. This is Fox. They got nothing to do with the SEC for the most part, but they certainly made a uh, fantastic graphic when it comes to all of that. So very happy moment here. Happy for Stafford. Happy for Georgia. Happy for obviously the connection here. It's always fun to see your program being such a big part of the conversation. In the case of Matthew Stafford last night, 
the discussion of the dogs and what's going on with UGA, a very big part of seemingly everything happening around the Super Bowl last night. That was certainly a great thing to be able to see. Let's also get ready to give you a uh, golden shoes wrap up here today. Frankie Fibonacci weighing in. Uh, Not just fans noticing the cool stuff last night, but also Jordan Davis there as well saying year of the dog. Uh, Good stuff from Jordan Davis on that. And Frankie Fibonacci says dog nation daily. Where is the lie? Go dogs. Golden shoe. Yeah, we'll give both Frankie and Jordan Davis a golden shoe on that as the year of the dog kind of continued last night. A lot of Georgia fans enjoying themselves in a lot of ways right now. So that is uh, really cool. Let me also give you Gator Hater Updater. Georgia celebrating championships. Been a long time since Florida's had anything to celebrate. How about 4,785 days? Long title drought for the lousy stinking Gators. And Gator Hater Countdown back in Jacksonville. 257 days from right now. That is your Gator Hater Countdown. Thanks to all of you for being with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We will look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And on the podcast, I had to beg your forgiveness about one thing. Normally, we do our podcast cool down presented by R.S. Andrews. I do hope you'll check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Confession, though, and this is where I need your forgiveness, I'm going to be out of town starting this Friday and then through the week after that. It's the week of February 21st. Now, we're going to have shows each and every one of those days, but in order to do that, we have to pre-record those, which I'm in the process of doing right now. So we're not going to have a podcast cool down for at least the next couple of days so that I can try to get ahead of the schedule in terms of getting the shows ready. I think they're going to actually be really fun, very good vacation shows. So we're going to do that right now, getting ready for the end of the week, and hopefully be back ready for a podcast cool down before I officially step away after Thursday afternoon. So thanks, as always, for being a part of what we do here, and I'll look forward to chatting with you as a part of our podcast cool down again very soon.